Well, good morning, River Glen. It is really, really great to be with you this morning. Welcome to all of you here in Waukesha, here in the room. I want to say an extra welcome to everybody who's watching online, either right now in real time or sometime off in the future. And of course, an extra big welcome to everybody watching over in Pewaukee this morning. Miss you guys. I hope you're doing well. You can clap for Pewaukee. Yeah. See, we love you from here. Uh, I know Pastor Don is over there taking care of you this morning. I hope you show him a little love and appreciation. If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Jason, and I get the unbelievable privilege to serve as the campus pastor of our campus over in Pewaukee. And it has been one of just the absolute joys of my life as a pastor to see people take steps and grow in their faith. And so if you're here for the first time, or if you're with us for the first time in a long time, uh, or maybe you came to one of our Trunk or Treat events over the weekend. If any of that is you, I just want to say an extra special welcome to you. We are so glad you're here and really hope you enjoy our service this morning. And I hope what you hear is helpful. We've been diving into this first century letter uh, from the Bible called 1 Timothy. It's written by an older man named Paul to a younger man that he was mentoring named Timothy. And Paul was sort of in the, um, I guess we call it like the, the legacy season of his life. He could... He could kind of see that the end was coming, and he wanted to take an opportunity to share some of the wisdom and insight that he wished he'd known sooner so that it might bring some value to Timothy's life. And Timothy was a leader in his local church, and the words that he receives from Paul are timeless, and they apply to all of us. Now, when we started planning this series a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, rather, I was geeked because I knew this was going to be helpful. I knew this was going to be helpful for anybody who had the chance to engage with it because... Well, we've all been there. Every one of us here at one point has felt the pain and sting of regret. We've all got at least one do-over that we wish we could get, right? And every one of us has said this at some point, hindsight is what? Isn't it? Oh, man, it is. And so our hope is that you would take a chance, go on this journey with us and engage with the six principles that we're going to talk about as we go through this series. So you'll have a chance to avoid some of the wrong turns and some of the regrets as we go through this life. Does that sound pretty good? All right. Well, let's get into it. We're going to look at today how we can be prepared uh, to live and to lead when life gets tough. And let me just ask you, has anyone had any tough circumstances in your life, say, you know, the last, I don't know, 18 months or so? Exactly. Yeah, me too. Me too. So that's what we're going to explore today. Let's dive in and look at the verses that we're going to take a look at. If you brought your Bible with you, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to put the words up on the screen if you want to follow along there. This is Paul's words to Timothy. He says this, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7 through 9, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness holds value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And I love how he punctuates this at the end. He says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. I love that. I thought it'd be kind of fun just to start this thing off with this idea of physical training. Because that, that's something we can all relate to, right? Most of us have been to a gym before or at least driven right past one. <laughs> now let me ask you this personal question as we get going. If I can go there. <laughs> Am I the only one here who's ever had to lose the same 25 pounds more than once. <laughs> Guilty. Yes. I'm in my 40s now, and I have had to get back in shape. I think I'm up to three times now. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not that I mind eating healthy and working out and all that. I just really like chocolate chip cookies, and I think they should be a breakfast food. 
That's my personal opinion. Maybe you share that with me. Uh, but anyways, the last time my weight kind of got out of control uh, was a few years ago. And th- something about that time was just different. You know, my wife had kind of changed on this journey. She went from just kind of poking fun at my belly to, I mean, to really a genuine concern for my well-being. And we started having conversations about whether or not I was going to be around to see our kids grow up. It's like, dang, babe, that's, that's kind of harsh. And, and to be honest, her concern actually had some merit. I don't c- come from very good genes, as they say. Uh, every adult on my side of the family, or almost every adult on my side of the family, was an alcoholic. My dad had three heart attacks, uh, diabetes, and a stroke. My mom had cancer. And so my gene pool is a little murky, if you know what I'm talking about. And I said, okay, babe, I get you. I'll get back in shape. We'll get on the road to a healthy lifestyle. And I started looking for some different options and what was available. And that is when I discovered this wild and crazy community called CrossFit. If you have a friend who does CrossFit, trust me, you know about it. Because CrossFitters never shut up about it. That's all they ever talk about, right? CrossFit is this exercise methodology. It's this healthy lifestyle that focuses on this idea of fitness. Fitness is kind of their their banner word. In fact, every year they have a worldwide competition. Uh, Last three years, it's actually been right here in Madison, which is kind of fun, where they crown the fittest man and the fittest woman on earth. It's actually kind of exciting if you ever want to want to tune in on it. Now, this this idea of fitness was appealing to me. It was intriguing. So I was like, okay, what does this mean? Here's a definition of fitness I think you'll like. The ability to execute daily activities with optimal performance, endurance, and strength. That sounded pretty good. I said, all right. Let's get on the road to fitness. Let's find a CrossFit gym. And it wasn't long into my search that I discovered a place called CrossFit Greendale. And I walked in and I got to meet the owner, who's now a good friend of mine, a guy named Frank Colavita. And uh, Frank... (laughs) Frank is exactly what you would expect the owner of a CrossFit gym to be. Right? He is big, and he is loud, and he is tough as nails. But he wasn't always that way. There was actually a time in Frank's life when he struggled. He had it pretty bad for a while. He struggled with obesity. He struggled with depression. There was a time in Frank's life, it got so bad, he was drinking two bottles of liquor a day just to get through. But Frank's got a great comeback story. There's a lot of things I love about my friend Frank, but one of them is is his comeback story. He battled back through some major mental and major physical barriers to go on to not only uh, open up his own CrossFit gym, he actually competed in the CrossFit Games. Incredible story. Now, I I tell you all that so I can set up this part of the story. So I, I go into Frank's gym, and I sign up, and he gives me the speech, right, his opening speech. And he says to me, Jay, hey, man, listen. This game, this game isn't about six-pack abs or, or bench pressing 200 pounds. Ah, forget all that. This game is about fitness. And you want to focus on your fitness because life is coming, my man. I said, that's interesting. I never heard that before. Life is coming. What, what do you mean by that, Frank? He says, yeah, man. Life is coming. Life is coming for all of us. And li- life could be anything. Life could be cancer. could be heart disease. Could be depression, anxiety. Dude, it, it could be a car accident or just slipping on the ice. But one way or another, life is coming. And you want to be prepared for whatever life comes at you, brings at you. I said, okay, I'm hooked. I joined the cult. And now I'm a CrossFitter. <laughs> I've been doing it the last few years. I have a great time with it. But I never, ever forgot 
Frank's challenge. Life is coming. Life's coming for all of us. All right? It's a fact. Getting physically fit, focusing on fitness is absolutely something we should all pay attention to. Right? We all know this. We all know we need to work on that a little more. I get that. In fact, part of how we honor God is actually taking good care of the bodies that he's given us and making wise choices about what we put in and all that. I don't know whether to celebrate or rebuke whoever it was that decided to bring donuts back on Sunday morning. Did you guys see that? Can we get an amen for the donuts? Right? Real donuts are back. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But the point I want us all to consider today if you would, is just consider the fact that maybe our, just our physical health is only part of the story. There's more to us than just our physical beings. Life is coming, right? But for many of us, the challenges that we've been going through go beyond our physical abilities and limitations. And so if that's the case, we're going to need more. If we're going to really get in shape, we're going to need more than just deadlifts and jumping jacks to get us there. And that right there is what we're going to dive into and explore today. Let's start by going back and reading verse 8 again. They're going to put it up on the screens. Verse 8, Paul says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Let's double-click on that, that phrase, life to come. What does he mean by that? What's Paul saying? Paul is revealing to Timothy something that he's learned along the way. That there's more to this life than just this life. There's more to this life than just this life. As followers of Jesus, we believe that there's more. There's far beyond what we, what we know and see, right? And even if you're not, you know, a spiritual person or a follower of Jesus, this is probably something that you've at least sensed at one time or more in your life. Let me see if I can give you a couple of examples of this. Have you ever felt a pain that was so deep, so profound, that nothing on this planet brought you any kind of comfort. You ever been there? Maybe it was the, the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was the end of a relationship. Maybe it was the death of a dream that you chased your whole life. But a pain so deep, nothing brought comfort to it. Maybe for you it wasn't a, a pain thing. Maybe for you, have you ever been asked a question that was so profound, so complex, so outrageous, you just knew I don't know, it's got to have a supernatural answer. Like, for example, where did the universe come from really? I mean, if you, if you believe in the Big Bang, well, who made the Big Bang? Bang, right? Or maybe this question, I'm sure we've all asked at one time. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or maybe for you it's this one. It's the year 2021. Why is there still so much hate and racism in our world? What's it going to take to finally heal from that, right? Tough, tough questions. Maybe for you it's it's not a pain thing, it's not a a question thing. Maybe for you, have you ever felt an ache deep in your soul that just wouldn't give up, right? A restlessness, an unsettledness, something inside you that just would not let back. An emptiness that just begs for a purpose and a meaning, right? Right? I love the way C.S. Lewis talks about that particular ache. He's got a great quote that says, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, well, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And that other world that he's talking about is heaven. 
And heaven is exactly what Paul is trying to get Timothy to shift his focus on and start thinking about. Which, if you roll with me on this for a second, was a big, big step for Paul. Because by all accounts, on this planet, Paul was a world-class superstar achiever. Right? If they'd had Success Magazine back then, Paul would have been on the cover of it. In a rare moment of bragging, in another letter to another church, he actually listed out some of his accomplishments. Listen to what he had to say. You know my pedigree. You know where I come from. I had a legitimate birth, meaning he had a, a pure family line. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin. I'm a strict and devout adherent to God's law. I'm a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church. I am a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. By all accounts, Paul was a goat in the first century. But yet, even with all that status, even with all those accomplishments, here's what Paul is saying he wished he'd known sooner. He's telling Timothy in this letter, listen, I get it. Work hard, achieve a lot, do a lot, all that stuff's great. Okay, but, but prioritize your spiritual health above everything else. You say, why? He would say, because here's what I wish I'd known sooner. That some problems and some pain and some questions we have in this life only have spiritual answers. Some problems and questions and pain in this life only have spiritual answers. And so if you'll, if we'll focus on our spiritual health, then we'll have answers for both this life and the life to come. So if we can borrow a word from our friends in CrossFit, right? here's an easy way we can all remember this. Physical fitness is good. We all agree to that. But forever fitness is better. Because forever fitness can prepare us for anything in this life and the life to come. Now here's why this idea of training is so important. Because nobody gets fit on accident, right? Frank, above all people, will tell you, no, you can't coast your way to good health. <laughs> Despite what the late night infomercials promise us, we, we can't go to bed and wish for fitness and wake up the next day and have it happen. There's only one way to fitness, and we all know what it is. We've got to train for it. We've got to train for it. I love the way the Navy SEALs talk about this idea of training. Because we've all heard this phrase, rise up to the challenge, right? We've heard that before. It's this idea that, you know, in the heat of the moment, in the middle of battle, that the hero would rise up and take the day. Well, the Navy SEALs will tell you, that's a bunch of crap. Nobody ever actually does that, right? No one actually rises up in the heat of the battle. That stuff's just for the movies. Why? Well, because our natural default is self-preservation. We are wired for fight or flight. Our, our biology actually tells us to run from danger. But they would say, however, the exception is we don't actually rise up in the heat of the moment. We fall back on our highest level of training. Isn't that brilliant? He says our training rewires our instincts. It actually shifts the way we think based on what we've trained for to whatever extent we've trained for it. Our training actually rewires our DNA and our instincts to the point where we are prepared for anything that might come our way. This is why the Navy SEALs train harder and longer than anybody else. It's why they're so good. But this also applies directly to us with what we're talking about today. The same is true for all of us. Life is coming. 
Life is coming for every single one of us. And when the life hits, we can't just wing it. We can't just hope for the best. There's too much on the line for every one of us. If there really are questions and problems and pain that only have spiritual answers, well, then we know what we got to do. We need to train ourselves spiritually. We got to start disciplining ourselves. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd about this, but maybe you can nerd out with me for a second. I find it fascinating that the word discipline and the word disciple are almost the exact same word. I just think that's interesting. All right? So let's get on the road to this thing called spiritual fitness. Where do we begin? All right, what would the first step be? Let's go back to our letter. Verse number 7. Paul gives us the first step. He says this. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather, here's our word, train. Train yourself to be godly. Now, I do a little bit of carpentry on the side. It's a, a, a hobby that turned into a passion that actually turned into a little side business. And so as you can imagine, I own a lot of tools. I have a whole workshop full of them, actually. If you ask any carpenter in here, anyone you know, how many tools they need, we will all tell you the same thing. Just one more. Just, just one more, honey. I promise this will be the last one. I just bought a really nice one on Friday. Talk to me in the lobby. I'll tell you what I got. <laughs> right? But there are two tools that go with me wherever I go. I never start or finish a job without these two tools. I actually brought them with me today. And the first one is this. It's my level. I got a whole bunch of these, all different sizes. Before I start anything, before I build or design anything, the first thing I got to do is check to make sure that the floor or the substrate or counter, whatever we're building on, I got to check to make sure it's level. Because you can't build something significant on a crooked foundation. Why? It'll fall over, right? Well, Paul is essentially saying the exact same thing to us. They're saying, let go of, avoid, skip all the old wives' tales and godless myths because you can't build your life on those. They're a crooked foundation. You'll fall. And probably the most prevalent of these that's out there today, I'm sure you've heard this, is this idea of you do you. Hey, man, you do you. And you do you and you do you, right? This is based on the premise that truth is subjective, right? Everyone just has their own truth. And that if every one of the almost 8 billion people on this planet just did whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want, with whoever they want, as much as they want, well, everything will work out fine and no one would get hurt. And at best, that's a fantasy, right? Without boundaries, without guidelines and morals, without a, a, an internal compass. If everyone just does what they want, you don't get joy. What do we get? Pain. And you can look around us. There's pain everywhere right now. We as human beings are wired for truth. There is such thing as pure and objective truth, and we are wired to follow that the same way a compass is wired to point at true north. And so Paul tells us the very first step to this is just be selective, Right? Be selective as to who or what we let in our lives and that we listen to. Why? Because, frankly, not everything is valuable. Not everything is wise. Not everything is worthy to build your life on. We need to have some filters in place to help us make good decisions as to what we let in our lives. And Paul actually gives us a great list of filters in another letter. He says this. If you're going to build your life, here's what to build it on. Whatever is, first word, true. Right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. That is the kind of foundation that you can build your life on. The second tool I brought with me, this is probably one you've seen before, right? Probably every one of us has one of these in your house. Just a basic tape measure. This is my Milwaukee 25-footer. Full confession, I've been a DeWalt guy my whole life, but these Milwaukee tools are pretty nice. Have I got any Milwaukee tool guys in the room? Anybody? My people, yes. (laughs) These things are so nice. A tape measure is absolutely critical. Why? Because without a tape measure, nothing would fit. Nothing would fit and the whole project would be a mess. I even go so far, I was taught, use the exact same tape measure for the entire project. Just so I'm certain every single measurement is accurate and precise. Now, I just finished a, uh, a project for a good friend of mine. It was this uh, custom bathroom vanity. And I don't know, but by the time it was done between the, the, the doors and the drawers and all the different pieces, there was probably, I don't know, 60 or 70 individual pieces of wood that had to be measured out and cut and glued together to ultimately form a vanity, right? Now, I know this is weird, but roll with me. Imagine just for a second we were in a Disney movie. And all these 60 or 70 pieces of wood are all kind of laid out. And somehow by magic, poof, they came alive. And like the Disney movie, they started singing and dancing. Ah, you do you, and you do you, and everybody do what you want to do, right? (laughs) I apologize for that. (laughs) While that might be entertaining... It would not be effective. And we would never have a vanity. Listen to this. Those pieces would never come together to form something greater and more beautiful than themselves. And you guys, that's what happens when we train for godliness. It makes our lives more beautiful and it connects us to something greater than ourselves. And so if the first step is to ignore all the junk that's not helpful, our second step is to train for godliness. And the number one tool to help you and me and everyone watching online and all my friends over in Pewaukee to be more godly is something you've seen before. And probably something you have in your house. It's our Bibles. It's reading our Bibles. As followers of Jesus, we actually believe that God speaks to us. Not in that creepy, I see dead people kind of way. Not like that. But actually in practical, everyday ways. And one of the most common ways that he speaks to us is through his Bible. That's why a lot of people call the Bible God's word. And on a side note real quick, if you are here today or you're over in Pewaukee and you don't own a Bible, if you don't have one of these in your house, we would love to give you one today as our gift. Just stop by the welcome table after service and we'll put one in your hands as our gift today. Now as a pastor, as the guy with the microphone... You would expect me to stand up here and give you a world-class sales pitch on why every one of you should be reading your Bibles. Maybe even mix in a little guilt and shame just to really drive the point home, right? That's not how Jesus did it. And that's, that's not how we do things around here. Jesus used the scriptures to actually show people how much God loves them. And how he's got a greater plan for their lives. And so I... I just want to share with you somebody else's perspective on this. In 2009, a couple of PhDs got together, and they did a nationwide study on the effectiveness of reading a Bible. I think 
you'll find what they came up with pretty fascinating. Take a look at this. There was a recent study by the Center for Bible Engagement where they pulled 40,000 general population in the U.S. from 8 to 80, and they just wanted to see how we are engaging with Scripture. Right. And they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study. They weren't even looking for this, and this is kind of became the highlight of the study. Right. when we're in the scripture one time a week, and that could be church on Sunday, that's pastor saying you open your Bible, we hear the message, one time a week had negligible effect on some key areas of your life. So I'll, I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week, negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map, like there was a heartbeat. Something happened, again, a heartbeat. Okay. But here was the profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. You would expect that it'd be one, two, I mean, there'd be a gradual incline on the effect and impact that would have in your life, but it was literally one, two, three, four, something radically happens. Okay, you got my curiosity. To this extent. What kind of behavior is being affected? Feeling lonely drops 30%. Wow. Four times a week in the Bible. Four times a week in the Bible. Okay. Anger issues drop 32%. Uh, bitterness in relationships, marriage, a relationship with your kids, and so on, drops 40%. Alcoholism drops Crazy. 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant. You know, if there was one area when I'm talking with people that, that they'll be honest about is they just feel spiritually stagnant. Ask them the question, how much time are you spending in Scripture? If they're in the Scripture four times a week or more, it drops 60%. Wow. Viewing pornography drops 61%. That's very important. Now, on a flip positive side, sharing your faith wow. jumps 200%. Wow. Because you have a confidence in God's word. And then discipling others jumps 230%. Isn't that fascinating? Four times a week. So what's the problem? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is for a lot of us. Because I've been there too. This is a very big, very complicated book, isn't it? If you add it all up, the Bible has, from the front cover to the back cover, over 30,000 individual verses written 3,600 years ago in three different languages that comprise 66 individual books, all written by more than 30 different people. Is anybody else already confused? (laughs) Right? So if if we're going to crack this thing open and try to find the, the answers to the questions and problems and pain in this life... I don't know about you, I need a little bit of help. And so I want to share with you a resource that has been incredibly helpful to me to opening this book up and finding the truth that applies to my life. I had a pastor tell me once, a long time ago, he said, you know, if if your reading time, your quiet time, sometimes called your devotional time, if your quiet time with God is just kind of, if it's just kind of meh, right, if it just feels flat, If it feels like your prayers aren't going past the ceiling, guess what? You're not a bad Christian. You just have the wrong plan. Let's find you a better plan. And that was freedom for me. And I hope it's freedom for you. And so I just want to share with you a plan that's been very helpful for me. And it's called Core 52. We're going to put a picture of it with a QR code up here. If you zap that QR code with your phone, it will take you straight to the Amazon page where you can buy it. For any of the YouVersion Bible app users in the room, there's actually a free one-week trial of the Core 52 study on your YouVersion Bible app if you just want to give it a shot. Now, Core 52 was written 
by a former Bible college professor who is now a teaching pastor at one of the biggest churches in the country. And his goal with the book was to pull out and highlight and explain the 52 most valuable and most useful passages in the Bible. And I know what some of you are saying, right? Hold on, hold on. The whole Bible is valuable. And you are 100% correct. But the author of the book would challenge that although all Scripture is equally inspired, it's not all equally useful. And so Core 52 is a 52-week study written on the four-day-a-week rhythm of the 52 most useful and valuable passages from Genesis to Revelation. Wouldn't that be helpful? I want to, in the last few minutes we have left, I just want to share with you a couple of the passages or, and weeks of study from that that have been very helpful for me in my life. Because as my good friend Frank says, life is coming. And I don't know about you, but life's been hitting us pretty hard lately. It's been a tough season. Right, my family, like all of yours, we're all trying to figure out how to live life in a COVID reality. The last 18 months has been tough. When COVID hit early last year, my wife lost both of her jobs. And we had to try to figure all that out. And then at the end of the year, her father died very suddenly in Peru. And because of all the travel restrictions, she couldn't be there to spend the last couple of days of his life with him. She couldn't say goodbye. She couldn't even attend his funeral. And then we get into 2021, early part of this year, I found myself unemployed and just uncertain. Uncertain about the future. I was uncertain about my calling. I was uncertain how I was going to put food on the table. And a few months after that, I got COVID. I had to muscle through that for a couple of weeks. Still dealing with just some of the long-term junk that comes with it. It's just, it's a wicked disease. And then in July, our furnace went out. We had no air conditioning. That was an $8,000 curveball. And just last month, my little boy got hurt, my nine-year-old. We spent the night at Children's Hospital, terrified, not knowing what to expect or what it all means. Thankfully, he's doing, he's doing better now. And then on Labor Day, my mom lost her fight with cancer. She fought really hard, but she's with Jesus now. <clears throat> it's been a tough road. It's starting to feel like a country music song. <laughs> and this whole last 18 months has left me with a lot of questions and a lot of pain and a lot of problems, quite frankly, I don't have the answers to. But you know what brings me comfort? is that there are some problems and questions and pain that really do have answers. They have spiritual answers. And so I just want to share with you a couple of the passages that have brought strength and comfort and direction to my family over the last year and a half. The first one is actually the first week of the study. And it's actually also the very first verse of the Bible, the first written words of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This verse just reminds me of how powerful our God really is. And as Christians, we believe that God created the universe. It's incredible. So surely the God who figured out how to align the seasons and hold back the oceans and invented coffee can help me figure out what the next three to six months of my life are supposed to look like. This verse gives me comfort 
to know that our God is not surprised or threatened by anything that we've got going on down here. Another verse that has been helpful for us is week number four in the study. This is Genesis 15, 6. It says, Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, Abram was just a regular blue-collar guy in the Old Testament, right? Nobody special until God tapped him on the shoulder and gave him a major vision for his life. And thankfully, he said yes. And God ultimately changed his name to Abraham, who you may have heard of, and ultimately made him the father of the entire Jewish race, which today is 15 million people. Now, think about this. Jesus then actually has his story rooted in the story of Abraham because Jesus was Jewish. So think about this. Connect these two dots. That means the entire world is different today because one man let go of his plans and decided to follow God's plan instead. This verse grows my faith, and it just reminds me of what's possible when I say yes to God. Last verse I'll share with you, week number 48. This is a verse you've seen before. I, we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think, um, I think Garrett talked about this one. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That verse reminds me that God is listening. So think about how huge that is. And no matter what we're slugging through down here, our God, like a good father, he hears us. And he takes action on our behalf. That's the verse I lean on when I need strength. Strength to get in the fight. And it reminds me, if I'm going to get in the fight, I'm going to fight on my knees. Because I've got a God who hears me and who's by my side. Now listen, I, I know our life isn't the only life that's been messy lately. Right? There's a lot of us going through some tough circumstances right now. As my good friend Frank says, life is coming. Which means every one of us in here and everyone watching right now, you're either just coming out of a crisis... You're in the middle of a crisis right now or bad news, you got one coming. That's comforting, isn't it? Not really. Do you know what is comforting, though? That no matter what life throws at you, there are questions and problems and pain that really do have spiritual answers. And now we know at least one place to look to find them. As we said before, physical fitness, physical training is good. We all agree to that. But if you would allow me to challenge you, to invite you to consider the idea that forever fitness is better, to prioritize and focus on your spiritual health, what would it look like if we were all not just physically fit, but spiritually fit as well? When the bad times hit, we'd, we could lean back on our training instead of just winging it and hoping for the best. What if we actually had truth? truth to share, to bring comfort and direction to our families and to our co-workers and to our neighborhoods and communities, right? What would all that look like? It would remind me of another verse where Jesus said that his followers would be the light of the world, that we would actually bring light to the darkness around us. That sounds pretty good. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Thank you. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the timelessness of it. Thank you for the power in it. And thank you for the opportunity to learn it 
and apply it to our lives. God, I thank you for the direction that it brings us. And God, I just, I pray, probably along with a lot of other people this morning, God, I pray that your word would come to life in the hearts and homes of the people listening right now. That you would create in us a hunger for your word, that we would read it and try to understand it. And God, I pray through your spirit that you would bring an understanding, a deeper understanding than ever before to what it is you're saying to us. God, thank you that you really do love us and you really do speak to us through the gift of your word. I pray that you would help us to read it and understand it. Help us to learn it and live it and then give it away to others. I pray for this, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.